This is Andy Signor, creator of Honest Trailers and the new Popcorn Planet, and you're listening to the Atomic Podcast. Boom! Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast, and here is your host of the show, Efren Guzman. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast, coming to you live from Twin Lakes, Wisconsin, where I blow up the news on a verbal scale. I am your host, Efren Guzman. My guest today, he is the creator of Honest Trailers, the Screen Junkie Show, and many digital medias on digital platforms. Ladies and gentlemen, Andy Signor. Andy, how are you, brother? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, having me on. No, not a problem, man. Um, you know, you're a creator of many things. Um, you've been in the social media landscape for a long time. And um, before we talk about all that, um, where you're from and um, tell me about your upbringing. I grew up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, back uh, yeah, back in the day. And a playground is where I spent most of my days. So, <laughs> uh, uh, no, I grew up East Coast, East Coast, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I loved it out there. I loved the seasons. It was a great experience um, growing up in the suburbs there, outside of Pencil- of Philadelphia. And uh, yeah, it was a nice time. And that's in high school. Sort of stumbled upon video. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a video program back in the day, pre YouTube, all that, that really sort of got me going and creatively motivated me to start making content mm-hmm. at a really young age. Yeah, um, and got really sort of attention from that. And then I followed the pursuit to sort of do films. And then I bounced around to a few colleges, and then eventually, yeah, you know, went to Maine, Central PA, et cetera. And then finally netted out out in LA to pursue the dream, uh, like in two thousand two. Um, and that's where I was for the longest time, uh, and then pursued sort of the, the, the media world there. Wow. So, um, leaving Philadelphia, you left the Philly cheesecake, uh, Philly cheesecake, Philly cheese steak. I mean, capital of the world, man. Um, and the, all, all the, you know, the essential things of the East coast Because I'm originally from New York. So basically, you know, walking places and going to different places was so accessible and leaving all that to go to La La Land, um, was it a big transition for you being an East Coaster going to the West Coast? Yeah, I mean it's funny because now and now I don't even live there. I moved out again. Now I just left LA and now I live in Florida, so it's a, a whole different experience. Of, but to, to, before we get to that point, yes, moving to moving to LA was sort of the dream. It's everyone's dream. You go out to sort of do the do the pursuit of what you want to do, mm-hmm. um, and the opportunities out there were ginormous, especially as the digital boom was growing. You know, mm-hmm. um, so. Moving out to LA was definitely sort of a big wild card, but I, you know it was exciting and fresh and new, and I was younger and still very green and excited to sort of you know meet fellow collaborators that could help me create awesome stuff. And so, you know, back in the early days of LA, it was pretty awesome, be, you know, having to be scrappy and and you know hustling to get content made in LA for no money. Um, it, it really was probably some of my favorite time periods. I made a horror feature when I was you know in my senior year of college. I made. I joined like all these film groups, or was constantly creating left and right, and so that part of me was was very instrumental. Because even when I went to colleges before I moved to LA, it was always instrumental. You know, I went I went to this college in Maine that was sort of like this this workshop artistic workshops place, and it was fine. But I was and then I went to like this real liberal arts school called Dickinson out in Central PA, and in both situations, because I was like, I need to learn the college experience. I want to make sure I've like lived college before I you know stop you know going my my world of movie making mm-hmm. and in both those experiences i just missed making things a lot of school at least back then and i think still is for a lot of school it's just sitting in classrooms and constantly just filling your brain with the textbooks and everything else and you're not actually doing anything you're not actually like you know 
following and, and creating. And so that, that to me was always hard. And so I was always starting like filmmaking clubs, even in college. So as soon as I moved out to LA, I followed that sort of same idea. And I immediately just tried to, you know, I went on, what was it, Craigslist at the time, or I don't know what, just like, who wants to make movies and, and found fellow friends out there that sort of teamed up with me. And we, I remember we did this thing called 24 hour films where we have to make a movie in 24 hours. Um, and we just became sort of a constant thing that me and my friends and fellow classmates, you know, really got excited to do. So that was, that, that's what I remember first when I moved out to LA was that sort of desire to want to create and then not talking about it and instead doing it, which is always my advice to anyone who ever asked me like, what do I do? How do I get into it? Mm-hmm. It's like, you have a phone in your pocket, right? That has a camera, dude. What are you waiting for? Why aren't you shooting right now? Um, mm-hmm. There's no excuse anymore in this day and age. Like, you got to start shooting and, con- and creating as much as you can, as quick as you can, because even though that's that first work is probably going to be pretty crappy, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna get you to learn how to make it better and how what worked and what didn't work and inspire you to keep moving forward. Mm. So basically, at that time, he was like hungry. Once you got out there, right, and he knew this is yeah. exactly what he wanted to do. Yeah, I was. I was hungry and I was excited, and we were. I was making stuff just for me, you know. And, and, and it didn't really. There weren't, you know, we weren't worried about YouTube views or revenue and all that stuff at the time. I and mean, we were. There was a bigger. But it sort of, you know. I think that you know, fast. Then fast forwarding a bit and getting some real jobs, and then eventually joining up with you know and creating Screen Junkies and all the YouTube channels I built. You know, it, it, that was amazing. That was sort of the the cultivation of climbing the ladder and achieving the 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 dream of like, oh my God, I'm doing what I want to do. But you know. I, it's weird. I wasn't. I wasn't as happy as I as it seemed. You know, I was. I was always constantly trying to to, to get higher and figure out how do I make bigger content or make a movie or figure, you know, it just the, the 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 path to success. And I think, and that's a very, you know, everyone who sort of is has lived in L.A. or, or escapes L.A. or whatever. Like these people who sort of have had that experience. I feel like I, I've and I've talked to a lot of them since. They all it, there's all sort of this this. It's not the drive that goes. It's just like. The drive. Once you start, you know, achieving certain levels of success, it's not, you know, you're, you become a workaholic and you want to keep going and going and going and going. And I think, you know, that ultimately was a distraction that sort of distracted me from what really mattered and what was, you know, what made me happy, which was, you know, back in the day, was just being scrappy and hustling and making the stuff that I wanted to make, you know, and, and being having the opportunity to just be creative the way I wanted to be creative and not to please others and to impress others and make views and, and get attention and have to get likes and upvotes and, you know, all that stuff. I think that's really the sort of the long-term lesson I learned after, you know, starting scrappy and then growing to the hot, to the top. And then now having to restart again and be scrappy again, like it's actually invigorating. It's exciting. And I'm meeting other people again. And I, I, I realize this is, I've, I've been here before. I loved it here. This was a good place to be. Like it doesn't, Ignore the noise. Like, what makes you happy? How do you make the stuff that you want to make? And how do you find fellow people just to have good conversations with and make cool content? And so, it's a it's an it's an amazing journey I've had that I'm very grateful I've had and, and experiences I've learned to sort of help me really grow as a person and, and 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 get focused as a person and a creator to make sure I make you know better stuff that is for me that makes me happy and the people I work with makes them happy. Um, that's the lesson I've learned. What was the first thing you created, you know, because, you know, like you just mentioned Honest Trailer, Screen Junkies, you know, what was like the first thing you created, like when you got out there? Uh, I mean, I remember when I first moved out here, yeah, I mean, it was the 24-hour film fest. The 24-hour film fest? Okay. It was these things, and I made a, we made this short, you know, the way I always advise for people who are starting out is like, what do you have access to? What kind of cameras do you have? Where do you work? Where does your friend work? Mm-hmm. Do you have a cool, do you have a cool like forest you can film in? Like, exploit the resources you have available so you can 
put it on screen and make it look like it's high production value. And so we did this 24-hour film festival, and I remember my friend was like, well, I work at this complex down near Long Beach. We could go work in my office. We could go shoot my office building oh, after sure. hours. And yeah. it was like, cool. And then my, my other friend, TJ, at the time, was like, well, I've always wanted to do this crazy thing about a killer janitor. And so it was like we went and <laughs> shot this sort of like little short film about a killer janitor. And I had to play the janitor because we had to move fast. And I was like, well, I can do it. I was really hairy and, you know, whatever. <laughs> and so we made this little short film. Um, uh, it was really nice, sort of trauma-esque. Mm-hmm. Trauma, like Toxic Avenger, like, like trauma. He was, a, you know, that wasn't my scene at all, but my TJ and my friends, and they were more into that horror scene. So we sort of went and did it. So we created this sort of like exploitive, like horror movie um, from, you know, 80s style horror movie and, you know, short film. And it was actually really funny and cool and creepy. And, we're, and then we realized, well, this is kind of interesting. And so we did a few of those. But sort of the real first thing I did that I sort of got notoriety for was the feature. It was called The Janitor. Mm-hmm. And that came out in 2003 or five. I can't, it's all blur now. But, you know, I, I was in school, college, doing these film, film these sort of 24-hour movies, which we would just sort of force ourselves to write, shoot, and then edit sort of in a day's period just so there was a, time, you know, a timeline that you had to stick to and get it out. And then we'd screen it to friends at school and whatever. And it was sort of – that was enough for us at the time. It didn't need to be like a million views, you know. And then we realized, well, what that short we made was really one of the ones we did was the janitor. I was like, no, sh- we should make a feature. And so, you know, we, my buddy and I sort of scrounged together, like, a, I think it was like two or 3,000 bucks. Wow. And we shot on, you know, digital video and made this feature-length horror movie. And we got, we got Lloyd Kaufman from Trauma to be in it. We got Judah Friedlander, who was like, ended up being in 30 Rock. Wow. Some other friends, um, just to make a couple cameos. Um, and uh, it was, you know, it's a terrible, it's a terrible movie. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, <laughs> but at the same time. It was so much fun. Like anyone who was involved in that movie had a blast making that movie because we didn't give a shit. We just did what we wanted. We were, you know, spraying blood everywhere. Um, it was just a really fun time. And you know, it's looking back now, it's a, kind of a gross, ridiculous movie. But you know, I'm so impressed and proud of what we pulled off. You know, and we got it distributed. It was like before DVDs and you know, Tower Records was destroyed. Like the janitor was on the shelves of tower records and it was like in play, you know, in room org and, uh, Fangoria magazine, full page ads. Like we had a horror movie that was distributed out in the world. Like that was an immense achievement. You know, we were very proud of that. It was so cool. It didn't do that hugely, but it, you know, in that little horror community, it was good. And we had some, you know, someone at Chud at the time, Chud.com was a popular, like, yeah. it was like, this is reminiscent of like Peter Jackson and, and, and Sam Raimi's early work. Like it's, it's really fun. Like, so that we were, you know, that was sort of the first sort of taste of success and sort of like the opportunities. And so I think that was the real first thing that was made that I, you know, that created that I think sort of got sort of the, you know, moved me to another level to realize, okay, now what's the, what can we do next? Like mm-hmm. what's the next big thing? Mm-hmm. So after that and like getting people to work on your project is amazing, man. Like how did they, like how did you approach Lloyd Kaufman and um, Judah to come aboard? You know, like how did yeah, the, I mean, TJ... TJ knew that TJ was just TJ was a hard guy, so he, he helped a lot of that. He got Lloyd and knew Lloyd, and then he showed up. Oh, um, okay. And then TJ had worked some stuff with Judah, like shot for him at clubs before he was famous, and sort of owed, owed him a favor. And so he got both of those connections. Actually, um, you know, my my whole thing was just like I was getting the the bars and fill, like how do I get the locations and the sorority house we needed to film in and all this stuff. Like I was out trying to get the movie, the, the locations and sort of the stuff together and pull as many favors. That was always my I noticed was my one of my skill sets was just like, you know, once we figured out what we needed, I was very good at like morphing the creative to not lose the, 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 the goal of what it is, but to figure out how do we get it made? Um, cause like the next, I would say the next big chapter in my life of sort of success was this one, I, a short I did called United 300. 
mm-hmm. um, which won me an MTV Movie Award in 2007, yeah. um, which was a crazy experience. I was on the show. I got a golden popcorn. Samuel Jackson himself handed it to me. It was live across the, like, the world. Um, that was an amazingly crazy experience. Um, and I made it with a friend, my buddy Daniel, and some other friends. And, you know, that, that one cost us nothing. We did that for so cheap. And I needed to get to, to prove sort of how, you know, the scrappy nature of my early days of what I would always have to do is we needed to shoot that on an airplane. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, how the hell are we going to shoot on an airplane? And so I, you know, I, I did the due diligence and I found the people and I hit the pavement and I begged and I, you know, borrowed and whatever I had to do to sort of get them to do it. And we found this place called Air Hollywood in L.A. Mm-hmm. and got this immensely cheap rate to be able to shoot, you know, for I think we had two hours or something on this plane. And oh, I had yeah. two crew. I basically, I was leading a crew and then I had another guy lead a second unit crew and I was, you know, in this small fuselage set. I was like... Gotta go. We've got to, you know, how do we how do we make sure we get all we needed to do to, to make this sort of five six minute short? Um, that ended up being really successful and got me a lot of attention and got that award and then got me repped. Um, and that really was sort of the next big thing as the digital wave was growing, of sort of showing okay this you know that this now let, instead of going features let me try and lean into digital and so that led to you know several other successful digital experiences and jobs that I had. Um, that ultimately cultivated in me getting the job, you know, and creating Screen Junkies stuff. Yeah. So, like, Screen Junkies at that time was your baby and, like, all this, you know, off, offset different other, um, different other content came from Screen Junkies. So, like, how did that, how, how did you initiate that? Like, how did that come about? Well, Screen, I didn't own Screen Junkies. Screen Junkies was a website.com yeah. and it was, it was cool. It was like an irreverent, sort of edgy, we mm-hmm. don't give a shit brand. Um, yeah. And so, you know, but it wasn't hugely popular. It was fine. There were some good writers on it. And some, it, it was doing its, you know, it was doing itself. But, it, it, you know, there was no video content. And there was no sort of brand identity that was like, known everywhere. And so okay. um, Honest Trailers was really the thing that I think, you know, blew up Screen Junkies, of course. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the, the history of Screen Junkies was, you know, I, I was working at, it was called Break at the time, Break.com, Break mm-hmm. Media. They owned Screen Junkies. Mm-hmm. They merged and later became Defy. But I was sort of, you know, rising the ranks at that break, and it was sort of, there was God, there was a guy ahead of me, I don't want to speak oh well, but there was a guy ahead of me who was sort of tasked with sort of creating things, but he did not want to be there. He wanted to be a showrunner on a show, and he ended up doing that. Good for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was sort of tasked with trying to figure out how do we man these channels, which is something I was trying to do, too. Um, and so he had, he had made some show ideas, and I think he's called me out since and tried to, you know, whatever, but other people have tried to claim things. But the real truth of Honest Trailers was, there was this initiative, like, we need to figure out how to make content for Screen Junkies. And there was this idea of, uh, I think it was called Your Movie Sucks. Mm-hmm. And so, so this idea of Your Movie Sucks, we're going to go revisit the old movies and tell you why it sucks, <laughs> was the content that came out. Yeah. And it had been done. I'd seen it before. The format wasn't that exciting to me. It was, like, kind of funny. But I, I was, though my gut was just like, that's not good enough, like, that we can do better than a format. And so that's when I, I realized we were sort of going that angle. I forced myself, I was just sitting one day and I was like, what if we did a trailer? Like, what if it was a trailer that sort of told you the way the movie really was? Mm. And then I was like, and well, shit, if we got like a trailer voice to like the movie, that, da, 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 like then yeah. suddenly it's even cooler. And so, you know, that was the birth of Honest Trailers. Like that, that idea in the room, in the writer's room was sort of what I kept pushing for. And no one really understood it and see it. Even I didn't see the extent of what I really had come up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was when my colleague, Brett Weiner, who was a co-creator of the show with me, um, and there was another guy in the room who really was instrumental was Alex Sargent. He did a lot of early jokes and, and ideas there. Um, but that, you know, the format then was born really with Brett and I and, and, you know, Alex and other writers who sort of stepped in and out to offer some jokes. Like, I always like to give Alex credit because he wrote Shovel Face. And Shovel Face was like the Twilight on his trailer. 
sort of was an, you know, an identifying moment of like our starring section of cutting to Robert Pattinson and saying, starring, shovel face. Like that, that you know, I, I was well aware of how funny that was and realized that's, that's brilliant. We got to do more of that, of just calling for what it is and sort of, it was a little too mean. I think we scaled it down a little bit, but, yeah. you know, I give him absolute props because, you know, he was, aside from other jokes, like that was a defining moment for the series. Um, but it was really, uh, Brett and myself really sort of led the show for the next, you know, all the episodes, for a lot of those first episodes. And then Brett ended up leaving and I took over and Spencer and all them came in later. Um, but the early days on trailers was, you know, we, we did it on a lark. And I, I remember we did Phantom Menace as a, um, I was in the recording studio and I had a friend, a, a friend of mine suggested this voiceover person who did the got one of the got milk campaigns. Mm-hmm. Ironically, the guy, his name is Ptolemy. He ended up being one of the technicians on Westworld. He's on a lot of commercials. He's like a really good actor. Wow. Um, but he ended up doing the first, if you listen to Phantom Menace on a trailer, like it sounds different. He, and he, as we were recording, even he was like, this is funny, but I'm not your voice. you got to find a better voice. <laughs> and uh, But, you know, while we were in that moment, as we're doing, like, I kept running back and forth from the writer's room and recording because I was like, this is funny. As I, you know, the rough script we had of, like, explaining the Phantom Menace of trying to, like, because the Phantom Menace came out in 3D and it was, like, trying to trick us. Like, we didn't see the movie. Like, it was going to be good. Hmm. And I just found that really funny of, like, well, we know this movie. You can't trick me now. And so that's really where... <laughs> The honest trailer, but that you know, and I was like, what if we were just honest about a movie? Like that's how it all was born. And thanks to the Phantom Menace, it gave us something good. Um, and so as I was doing it, I kept realizing as starring council, you know, featuring council meetings and more council meetings and sitting, like all the real things that Phantom Menace stars. As I as I was pitching, he was saying it. I was laughing, and I was and I ran back to Brett in the room, like we got to think of the more mundane, like what really is the worst parts of Phantom Menace? Like let's keep we got to add this. We, we found something, but I need more. And so. We were constantly throwing more at the voiceover guy, and we were running. You know, I'm, I, I'm sure he remembers it. We were sort of flying at the seat of our pants as it was happening, and then we posted it out, and you know, it was a, it did okay. It was sort of a whimper. Mm. Um, and the reality is, I had a contact at Nine Gag, NineGag.com, and so I he was a, a friend of my because I'd done a bunch of this sort of web content, viral content. I sort of alerted it to him, and he shared it, and Nine Gag loved it, and Nine Gag got us, you know really the bulk of the views nine gags view users took that embedded it and took that to the next level and so it did well but it didn't do huge and so you know no one saw it as a franchise with the crazy thing and i thought well there's definitely some more movies we can try and no one really above me cared that much they thought that's funny but no one saw it as sort of the big thing and then we did twi- uh, then we did twilight and so mm-hmm. twilight was the next one we followed up and it was like a couple months later they, they weren't weekly then they, they took a while to make back in the early days because it was me or brent pretty much doing all the work and editing it ourselves and we needed about a week or two to do and it took us a longer time at back then because we had other jobs that we had to do at the time we weren't just focused on screen junkies um and uh anyway long story short i'm giving the history of the screen of the on trailer but twilight was really where it took to the next level we quickly you know shovel face was born and we quickly realized okay we can do this for other movies um and then you know nine gag shared it again and then nine gag got us even more views and then suddenly we got a million views on that one wow and then we're like well let's do titanic and then Titanic was sort of a test, like, Titanic's a pretty good movie, actually, but there's a lot you can make fun of, so let's see if we can do it. And then we did Titanic, and Nine Gag shared it again. And suddenly now, three in a row, Titanic got another million views. Meanwhile, Phantom Menace was still not performing as well. Phantom Menace ended up becoming, you know, a, a higher grocer just because of the success of the other ones. But I remember Brett and I always sort of looking at, and Dan even, we always look at Phantom Menace as sort of the stepchild of, like, well, that'll never do as well. And then at a certain point we became really successful and Phantom Menace finally crossed the million threshold. We're like, we did it! Finally, every episode has a million views. Oh, wow. Uh, but uh, it wasn't really until we did Dark Knight where I realized we had a show. 
And I remember, and I remember Brett sharing this thought too. But like, Dark Knight was the was really the turning point because Brett, he was like, I don't want to do the Dark Knight. The Dark Knight's perfect. What are we gonna say? And so that's when I was like, I had problems with the Dark Knight. I was like, look, it's a great movie, and Heath Ledger's awesome, but there's still problems with this movie. Like, we can call them out and be honest about what it is. And so I took I took Dark Knight on myself. And you know, obviously, he everyone had help, but yeah. you know, it was sort of my task to sort of like figure out how to how to write that and make that one work. And I and, and then Avengers was the, was the next one that I took over. And I remember figuring out that earpiece gag that really got us a lot of attention. <laughs> of like, they're all talking to each other with their earpieces. And then, of course, in later movies, they solved the problem. But um, you know, it was sort of like a you know, we nitpicked a little bit on the movies that were fun that we liked that we even admitted we liked. Um, and so once we hit those two movies that were really popular, good movies, and the views continued to go. That's when everyone saw the success, and everyone was like, "Well, let's do it every day. How do we do this as best as possible?" And it became right. then my job to really try and sustain, not turning it into, you know, you know, a we're going to do it on everything, and then suddenly everything. We tried our best, and I think it's we we found that nice medium of weekly was sort of the max. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, if they had, if the, the fight had their way early on, it would have been de- honest this, honest that, every honest thing in the world, and I think we would have deflated much sooner um, had we sort of, you know you know, given that much out the gate, but, um, that was sort of where Honest Trailers came about. There were, you know, and there were a lot of other writers throughout the time who helped tremendously, you know, do some tremendous gags and stuff. And then Dan stepped up and started editing. And, and then we had John Bailey come as our voice, not to just, you know, not to knock our first voice Gannon, but John, you know, Gannon wasn't really, he was, he didn't have much rest range in his deep voice. That wasn't his real voice. He was really just talking in this kind of a deep voice. <laughs> yeah. Whereas John was like a professional guy who just been done it for a living. And so John really helped us take it to even next newer levels because John would start, you know, we created a character with John and his wife and his kids. And it became sort of a really funny character in the, in the series where he could sort of break the fourth wall and stop talking. And it, and it became more of the show. Um, so that's where, that's where Screen Nookies was really born because Australia became so popular on, on the Screen Nookies YouTube channel that, you know, that's what it was the key. And then, then that was my pushing along with Brett. Well, you know, but I was like, I got, we got to put ourselves, you know, we got to put a face out there so we can take credit for this and start becoming a voice because mm-hmm. we are a good voice with honest trailers, but they don't know who we are. Yeah. And so that's where the screen junkie show was born. We brought a hell. And then eventually we started showing up on that show. And then eventually movie fights was born because that was a show. I, you know, that was, that was all my, me. Like, I got so all about arguing movies, you know, viciously. Um, and so that's, you know, movie fights was about, you know, doing that. And, you know, Dan and others didn't always like fighting as hard as I did. And I was like, no, that's the show. Like sports, they get pissed. Like, mm-hmm. you know, ang- people leave those games angry. Like I want to treat movies like people treat sports. Yeah. It does, you know, not disrespectful and not mean, but passionate, like passion is key to this. And that, you know, that was what was key to me is like, let's show our passion towards movies because we have a strong passion. And so once we got our name, our fate, you know, I, I remember Dan and Spencer and all them like didn't want to be on camera. Like they were like, why are we doing this? This is awkward. We did a behind the scenes of Honest Trailer that was really, I was very pushing for because I was like, this is how we build the brand. If we don't do this, no one's going to care about us or, you know, Honest Trailers will eventually be a, a fad and we'll, we'll have moved on. If we, if they know us and that we write them and that what you know and see that we can do other things, we can create a real brand here, and that's how Screen Junkies was born. Wow, that's amazing, and and you know to this day it's still going on. And um, to to go back to Honest Trailers, do you have a particular favorite one of the Honest Trailers you've done? You participated in? I mean, everyone asks that, and I, I've been at, not to throw a diss your question, but I kind of am dissing your question. It's like I, I don't even, I don't, I don't know, I don't care anymore. I mean, like. Yeah, look, I, I, I'm so I so respect and honor what we did, and I mm-hmm. love that series tremendously. But you know, if I'm speaking candidly, like if, 
I just, I got bored. I think we all did. And I just, you know, it's, look, it's fun. I, you know, I don't watch them anymore just because it's, you know, a different experience for me now. But, you know, it just, it started getting, you know, like a chore. Like, okay, well, what, what, you know, there are certain ones that, of course, I'm, I'm like so sad I didn't get to do uh, Greatest Showman or yeah. Infinity War. There's certain ones that I was like, there are, you know, once in a while there are movies I'm like, oh man, I'd love to have chimed in on this one because that, I, have, I have serious thoughts or Last Jedi, et cetera. But, you know, when, when, when we were forced to do other movies that just aren't as who cares, um, you know, it starts getting repetitive and, and, and a little bit of the same. And so, you know, I think that format can go on forever and I don't, I wish them the best. And, you know, I, I, I do love and respect those guys and, you know, want them to succeed and want the brand to keep going because look, that's my brand. Anyone, mm-hmm. They can say whatever they want. They can try and, you know, kick me out and, you know, disparage me all they want, but, you know, they can't erase me from what I've created. And that's, you know, really, I'm happy and proud of that because I'm proud of that work. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really good work and I'm glad we did it. And I think, you know, we made a lot of people laugh and inspired a lot of people. And so I'm really, I'm proud of that. You know, so to say best episode, I mean, it's all such a blur. I mean, the coolest honor was talking Ryan Reynolds into doing Deadpool. Like, I, I don't think we'll ever, wow, you know, yeah. it'll ever beat that. You know, it's like, and even when he came back again, which was cool, you know, that first time was sort of like, holy crap, we, you know, that was the dream always was how do we get someone to do their own honest trailer? Yeah. <laughs> and to get someone like Ryan Reynolds, not only come and do it, but let us write for Deadpool, yeah. who is like his baby. <laughs> like, <laughs> How do you beat that? You know, you can't. I always knew that was it. We're never going to top this one. This is the best one we're ever going to do. And just for the fact of securing him and, and making that to be the surprise and him being such a fan, um, to me, that's just the pinnacle of how, you know, of the success of uh, the show. Can you talk about how did you, how did you get Ryan Reynolds to do it? How did you get him? Yeah, I mean, I remember watching that with Spencer and we saw the movie and uh, after the movie, I was like, I don't know how to do this. That movie literally wasn't on his trailer as a movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was like the opening scene, everything. I was like, and I wasn't hating on it. I was just like, that was brilliant. I'm, I'm like, why didn't we make that movie before they did? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, they, you know, kudos. They did a brilliant job, and it was like, I just felt like there's no, I don't know what we would do. There's sort of the tone and edginess, reverence of us is there all through that whole movie, um, and it had heart and it was smart and funny, and he was great. So I just remember after we left, I was like, there's no way to do this unless he does it. Like, I just don't know how we pull this off unless he can do it. So. And, you know, and Spencer agreed, and I sort of went to figure out, well, how can I do that? And so I started playing a seat on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, well, I'll use our audience to sort of pep- pepper him and see if it gets his attention, because maybe he'll, he'll do it. Maybe he'll see the, the sort of brilliance, because their marketing was so good. You know, maybe he'll see the brilliance of it and get it. And so we, we they bothered to die it. And then one day I saw Fancy Reynolds was following me. And then I saw a message in my inbox from him directly, and he reached out okay. um, and said, all these people are bothering me what the hell, you know, in a funny way of just like, you know, what are, what are you guys thinking about? You know, I just, you know, I don't think, I don't, you know, I don't, he, he had trepidations. He didn't really understand it. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote back and sort of pitched our plan and then even some pages. And then he was immediately in. He's like, oh, oh my God. Okay. This is great. Oh, um, and then I had to find out, he was in London shooting the Hitman's bodyguard at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had to like figure out a way to get an audio guy there. And that was a whole funny story, which I told him on the screen. He shows back in the day, but this, it was a very risky move because I didn't know this guy, but I had to find a, someone who could record sound with him. And this guy, a fan of ours, ended up like show, not knowing. And then I'm like, all right, so you passed all my tests. I vetted you. I've done a background check on you. Like, you're clean. You're good to go. But here's the reality. You're going to record Ryan Reynolds on set tomorrow. And the guy's like, oh, my God, what? <laughs> uh, it, was, it was crazy. And the guy was awesome. And I was so grateful. He was such a pro. And Ryan even said, oh, my God, that guy was so great. Thanks for fucking it up. So I was like, whew. Um, yeah. yeah, they ended up recording like in, in his car or something, and outside the set, 
to get to have good audio. Um, and it was amazing. We got, he sent the audio and then, you know, he became a fan and stayed in touch and, you know, it's great to hear he, he had, he loved it. He always said he liked it. And then he came back for Logan and, um, and then I heard he came back again to do Deadpool 2 for them. So look, I mean, I was, I was very grateful and proud we could help that movie and help him and make something really fun. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the way we got it was because Ryan's, Ryan's a genius. He knows what he knows. He knows the game. He knows how to play the game. You know, he knows what's funny and, you know, he knows when to like, let someone else take over, um, mm-hmm. and which he did. He let us sort of keep our voice, you know, and he challenged a few things that were totally fair, and we, and we took. Yeah. But pretty much he let you guys do what you needed to do, like, basically, right? No, it's like you want to work with people who are nice. Yeah. So it's no, now I totally get why he's, you know, how he's managed to get through the Green Lanterns and the RAPDs. Is because clearly people like working with him. He's a really good dude. Yeah. Oh man, that that's awesome, man. That's awesome. And then you know he conti- he continued with Logan and Deadpool too. That's even better, you know. So like he never, you know, he never forgot, you know. Yeah. No, the Logan one was amazing because I remember we were trying to do Logan. We were having the toughest time, and I remember being in the room like, "What if we just wrote a page just to pitch to Ryan?" I was like, "I'll email it to him, but like let's let's write the page and then Spence, you know, we we did some notes. Then Spencer took a draft, and I took it, and we checked." You know, we, 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 we did it, we, you know, we went through the edit process, made sure we liked it, and I was like, all right, it's pretty good, I'll send it to him. I, I emailed it to him, and literally four minutes later, I get an email back with a, a, the recording that he did on his phone. Wow. <laughs> was like, I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. Oh, shit. Because uh, he read it, he was like, this is funny, yep, done, here it is. Yeah. That, let me know if you need anything else. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was just that, he, he was, because it was like, that was to me, you know, that to me was how you bring him back. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I don't know if I would have brought him back for Deadpool 2. I mean, I don't know what I would have done, and I don't want to judge what they did because I didn't see it. Maybe they did do something brilliant with it. I don't know. But coming back to Deadpool 2 is almost sort of expected. Him coming in for Logan or if he came in for Infinity War, like, that's how I would have played that card. Wow, yeah. The unexpected drop-in yeah. versus sort of the obvious drop-in. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I was, the Logan one I'm proud of, I got to get that in before, you know, I, I, was, I, I left, you know, before I was out of there. Um, because that was sort of a nice surprise, I think, for fans to sort of have him chime in at the end and do what he did. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's amazing that, you know, there's so many things you definitely should be proud of, of contributing your, your part and... In the whole Screen Junkies realm and whatnot, and um, you know, you pretty much you know left after that, and now you're doing your own. Pretty much, you're doing your own thing right now. Um, um, elaborate on what are you doing now? Yeah, well, I you know, it, the last year has been rough. I mean, obviously, there's an elephant in the room, which I do. I don't want to just not address it. Like you know, okay. I'm in the middle of a lawsuit due to things that you know are complicated to talk about right now, mm-hmm. and I, I I I cannot wait to talk about it. It's just what I want to make clear. Like I, there's absolutely things I want to talk about and things I want to show and share and address. I just can't do that right now out of the respect to my lawyers because I'm in the middle of a lawsuit, and I you know there is a there are complications to what happened that nobody really knows the full story of, and I want to do it the right way in a court of law, not, you know, in social media, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so that, that's what I'm, you know, it took a while, and, you know, I'm not going to lie, the last year has been brutal, and it, but, you know, it, it changed me in a way to really force me to face some things on my own, you know, things I did in my life I'm not proud of, you mm-hmm. know, I, I did, I, you know, it, it is public, and I can say, like, you know, I, 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 there was infidelity in my marriage that's, like, you know, not cool, and I'm not, you know, I live with that, you know, it's like, and, trolls and people online like they can't phase me anymore based off you know the real hurt and empathy that i have now towards of like what i caused to that you know to that in that situation so you know i am i'm living a new life now in a new with new eyes in a way and and really trying to make sure i'm 
I'm focused on being a better person just in general and, and for my son. And so that's really where I'm at right now. And, and, you know, I'm really grateful for the people I've met here in Florida and my family and my close friends who reached out and didn't just kick me while I'm down or just immediately quick to judge. Like, you know, there were people who reached out to make sure I was okay and made sure what was happening, what, what was real and what was not real. And those are the conversations that were important and mattered to me and kept me going and kept me motivated. Um, and, you know, now a year later, I'm just grateful that my voice back, like it was really hard to just be stripped of my voice mm-hmm. because, you know, it wasn't all true. Um, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, we, everyone deserves the chance to be heard. I firmly believe that, you mm-hmm. know, and it's like, everyone has the right to sort of make sure the truth is told. And so that I'm working on. And now that that's sort of out in the open and I can sort of at least address that as best I'm able to at this time, mm-hmm. you know, and, and will later, you know, it was time for me to get back out and start working again. And, you know, I've been on a, out of work based off, you know, certain allegations that aren't the case. And I, I want to make it clear that, they're, you know, what you've read about me isn't all true. And, you know, I'm not the monster that people are painting me out to be. Um, and it's, that's important for me to, to be, come out, to start getting out there again and stand proud and tall and address that. And, and you know, while I can't say everything I want to say, and I know there's people that are going to be mad at me, and that's their right, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, I wanted, I wanted to get back to work and start building my ca- another new catalog just to be creative again and do what I want and get back to being, like we talked in the beginning of this conversation, getting back to being scrappy and hustling to get, you know, work out there and being happy and finding fellow people who just want to make videos and don't, it's not about fame for them. They're not even on Twitter. I love that about them. They don't give a crap about that stuff. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm going to be there to help monitor and make sure they don't lose their head if it does get big, you know, and like keep it focused on what matters, you know. Um, so now I'm excited because we, you know, we launched a new channel. It's called Popcorn Planet. Um, and it's sort of, you know, it's a, it's, it's lower rent um, and whatnot, but it's a, uh, it's just an opportunity for us to just get back out and do what we want to do. And I'm, I'm, I have a new sort of show called Nerd Wars that feels sort of just like, you know, uh, what I've always wanted to do. And Movie Fights was, you know, had its own sort of style. But I was doing versions of Movie Fights when I was seven. You know, oh, yeah. I played this game called Who's the Best, where I would pull out these action figures and have my family and friends debate Woody Woodpecker versus George Jetson. <laughs> you know, my family can attest to this. Like, that's been me since I was a kid. Yeah. You know, and so that, that was always what I wanted to do. And so I wanted, I realized, you know, that's sort of what this new show is. How do I get more people together? How do I make it more of an ensemble and pe- real people like just get passionate? And it's not just sort of like sitting there and making a debate. It's more of like people passionately, you know, having a and drinking and having fun and just having a more of a party, passionate vibe of us really just hanging out together and talking about what we care about. Um, and that's really what the vibe of this new show is and what the, the channel is all together is just really, you know, not being afraid of what we say not being afraid of Hollywood and sort of studios not giving us access. Like, we're not in Hollywood. So what? So now I'm in Florida now. So what? See Hollywood. But now I can do whatever the hell I want. <laughs> Say whatever I want about your movies, not worry about Disney and everything else or getting access to the junkets. Or will Disney give us this this time? Or, well, we didn't promote that, so now we can't get on the red carpet for this. Like, it's a whole game that, that you have to play to be in that world that I'm over it. It's like, I, I, I pay to see my movies now, and they do too, and we're, we have opinions, and that's what this channel's about. How do we have fun and be real and have a good time again um, and not worry about the views as much? You know, hopefully we'll get views and hopefully we'll get there, but, you know, so we can sustain it and get some some funds to sort of keep the, you know, the, get the gear better and keep it going. But, you know, right now it's about having fun, doing what we love, and, uh, you know, saying what we want to say. Yeah. Um, like you said, you're getting, you're getting back pretty much to grassroots. Um, is it harder um, doing this the second time around, or is it a little bit more easier? Uh, it depends. I mean, from a view standpoint, I mean, our views suck. I mean, I'm not an idiot, but, yeah. you know, the views suck everywhere. Like, 
you know, I, when I started this, I, I really didn't go back to rewatch my old, con- you know, the old Screen Junkies, the, you know, the new Screen Junkies content. Mm-hmm. I want them to do their own thing, and I don't want to be phased by that. Mm-hmm. But I did go look at the views, yeah. um, just because I wanted to see, like, how, you know, I, I do compare, you know, the, the competitors out there and people we were, you know, competing by, competing with then. Like, I went to go look at views, and look, views are down everywhere. Like, their views are down a lot. A lot of a lot of channels are down a lot. The YouTube algorithm and you know the ad apocalypse. It's it's crushing creators and people are leaving YouTube for Twitch and Facebook and other places because YouTube doesn't seem to care anymore. There's really no way to promote it on YouTube or or even know if it's been properly promoted on YouTube. Um, you know, it's like I, I do have a you know I have an old channel that I outfitted that had eighty thousand subscribers and you know I'll post a video and get three hundred views you know in the first day and it's like. You know, that's low. It's low, I'm aware. But I'm also realizing, like, I don't even think those subscribers were alerted. <laughs> so it's like, how do you really know? So to, to answer, is it diff- more difficult? Absolutely. The, the climate has changed tremendously. Back, you know, years ago, it was a, you know, I, 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 the, there, there, were, there were ways to sort of learn the algorithm and make sure the good content could rise. But now there's so much content and so much competition, and YouTube is promoting their own things and what they want to promote. So the rest of them don't really get there. Um, so I would say from a, you know, gaining view standpoint, it's definitely harder from a creating standpoint. It's, you know, it's easier in a way because I don't care as much. It's doing it for fun. There's no pressure of having to deliver a certain amount of minutes or shows per week. You know, I can, I have access to film and movie theaters and bars when I want to, you can't get that kind of access in LA. They, they, they charge you up the, up the butt. Um, so, you know, in a, from a creative standpoint, it's easier and funner in a way from a, you know, views and, you know, uh, monetary standpoint it's definitely rougher it's definitely rougher but you know i'm not doing it for that this time i'm doing it just for, for me for fun i hope we'll get there um i am you know I, I, next week um it, uh, when are you releasing this i can reveal this if you're not going to release this till next week oh, probably till next week yeah yeah so i can announce we, we we would have announced on wednesday we're i am launching a patreon um uh to help to sort of to gather some funds because even if we can get a few hundred bucks a month like that helps tremendously because I can put that money towards a new Zoom recorder or a camera at some point after a couple of months or mm. mics. Like that stuff's important now as I'm starting over. And so I hope you know the supporters out there who believe in sort of me, you know, and like what I did in the pre in the past, and and hopefully believe in you know second chances and starting over, can see the prospect of okay, I want to see what this guy can do and invest in us to sort of you know keep giving them some content. We have some fun tiers, um, you know, the and and stuff. And so I'm excited about that opportunity. Um, to, to get some of my fans who've been asking for ways to help support to, you know, not just take their money, but give them something in return, you know? Yeah. Um, is, is that, is that like the hard part now? Like, um, getting people to know that you're back if people don't know that you're back or is like, you know, getting yourself out there? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not pushing as hard as I used to back in the day. I'd, I'd hustle way more for the views, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm fully aware that I'm, you know, there's, the idea of me is a little toxic right now online, and I'm, I'm aware of that. Yeah. You know, it's, it is what it is. Like, I don't agree with it altogether. You know, I, I, you know, and I want my story to be heard before I combat that really publicly as hard. But, you know, I am vocal on Twitter when someone comes and says, hey, you rapist. Like, I call them out. I'm like, that's actually not the case. And learn your facts. And that's not true. Yeah. Like, I will, I'm going to, I'm not going to help, you know, start doing diatribes, you know, out of nowhere. But I'm going to respond to people who are defaming me and saying things that aren't true. Yeah. Um, you know that so but you know right now there's definitely a vibe of I think you know I've heard it people, fans have reached out and they're like ah, well I can't support you publicly you know it's just not okay right now and that that, that makes me sad because I'm just like well why why is anyone you know everyone should have the right to like who they want 
Mm-hmm. Everyone has the right to sort of, you know, assume that they've been, you know, they've they've been through enough. I'm, I want, I like what he does. You know, he's clearly learned. I'm going to go check out what he's doing. Like that's their right. Um, you know, people have the right to to subscribe or not subscribe. It's now their choice. Yeah. Um, and the people who don't want to subscribe to me, more power to you. That's your right. Yeah. Um, but this idea of sort of you can't publicly talk about me or support me that that one's bugging me a little bit of just like, you know, watching certain people not have the balls to sort of come out and be like, look. You know, this this guy did a lot for me. <laughs> I, I want to, you know, I, I'm going to, you know, I, I've talked, I'm going to reach out to him and see if he's really learned or a jerk. You know, I, I, I hope more people will start having the gall to reach out and actually converse with me versus be afraid of me or afraid to, to talk about it because I'm here, I'm ready to talk, I'm here out, talk as much as I'm able, um, you know, and I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not afraid of the truth and I'm not afraid of real investigation in this trial all that stuff to me is important to really get to the to the, to the real heart of it all yeah. um did you lose more friends or you lost more associates you think or both the same dude i mean i i, I mean i'm not gonna I, I don't lie anymore i really don't i mean yeah. I, I i lied in my previous life to my wife and that's a regret that i and i and i, and I hope at some point to make some real content that addresses that where i can uh-huh. really help others because i you know i've privately talked to so many people who are cheating on their wives, mm-hmm. who are like, I don't know what to do. And I, you know, those conversations now mean more to me than anything to be able to offer real advice and, and, and hopefully save a marriage or, you know, the kind of pain that I caused, like that kind of stuff is crucial for me right now to help others, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I lost a lot of, lot of stuff and I, but I, I refuse to lie. I went off a tangent. I refuse to lie anymore about it. What was your question though was, what did you ask me? You said, did I lose more friends or associates? I, that, yeah. The truth is I lost everything, man. Like wow. everything's gone. Like I can't get work. Really, I can't get work because of, uh, you know, the specific claim, which there was one, mm-hmm. that I was abusing coworkers and, ra- and raped somebody and threatened to fire somebody. Mm-hmm. That all came from one person, is the reality of my, you know, the accusations, and yeah. that is was untrue. It's wholeheartedly, 100 million percent untrue. Um, and that, though, I've been told by employers, like, that's what's keeping me unemployed and what's keeping people, you know, worried about me. Wow. Um, and so that's why I'm suing, because that's not cool, and I'm not going to let you know, my family and son and friends and people like see that anymore. Like, you know, I've had friends who've known the truth for a while and they've been dying for me to come forward and say the truth so they can share it too. Um, and I look forward to that coming out for most people, but you know, I got to respect the legal process and my lawyer, I got to follow her lead. She's fantastic. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to my day in court, but the, the reality is, yeah, I lost everything, man. Like the way it was, as my lawsuit says, the way it was all sort of put out there and you know, everyone ta- just defamed me, per- you know, uh, and, and called me out, and, and as if everything was true. Like that was bad. That was bad. It didn't help me at all, um, and it wasn't fair. And a lot of those people didn't reach out. Again, I'm going to be honest. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people, I would have expected at least would have owed me a call or a text. Mm-hmm. Did nothing that morning. Like did nothing that morning and just took it off for what it was. And I don't know if that was defy pushing. I'm still trying to figure all that out. Yeah. But didn't reach out once and to me that's lame that's really not cool given all that we've been through I, and, I, and i've learned look I, again i don't even judge them I, this is a dangerous road you know, i want to be careful because I, I don't really have the will of any of those guys and i don't want to but look I, all i'm going to say is moving forward i've now learned and i may not have been this way then but i am this way now like if i see someone's house burning whether they set it on fire or not <laughs> i'm gonna go help them put it out mm-hmm. i'm gonna go help them put it out and i'm gonna make sure they're okay instead of just, you know, throw more gasoline on it. It's like, that's the reality of like, we're all human. We've all made mistakes. We all have our struggles. We all are dealing with stuff that needs to be talked about. Um, and that's the reality for me right now is like, you know, if, and especially to my close friends, like I'm closer to people now than ever. And I think that 
the journey I've been on helped me get there, and I'm grateful for it in a way. Um, but you know, the reality is, yeah, I lost I lost a lot of friends and a lot of colleagues, and I'm still having trouble getting work. Now that said, I'm starting over here in Florida, and I've made new friends and people that really matter to me, and I've had old friends that have helped me tremendously. So I'm making ends meet the best I can. I'm working my my butt off, and I'm going to keep doing that um, to to make. The, the friendships now that really will matter, I hope, in the long term for the rest of my, you know, my days. Yeah. Um, was Florida also like a change, like a, a new beginning for you, like moving to Florida? Like, was it also a different start? <sighs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, it's uh, it's just really nice. You know, it was a little stressful at first, but it's it's it, Tampa specifically is just so diverse and friendlier than I thought it would be, and. It's like, you know, I went from a blue state to a red state, and which sort of worried me a little bit. But mm-hmm. as I've been here, it's like, you know, some people think, I, oh, you're turning conservative. It's like, it's not <laughs> about politics to me. It's just about being open to people. Yeah. It's like the, the bubble in California is so strong. Like, yeah. we think we're so much better and we know better and we, every, you know, we're so much, you know, more perfect and we don't do no wrong. That is a fact. <laughs> it's a fact <laughs> about Californians. At least I've got a majority of them, at least. Um, we're all self-promoters trying to, to win the, the battle of the lat, climb the ladder and win to be the most successful. And that's just why you go to California to, to, to live the dream. And so, you know, that Florida is completely different. They don't give a crap. And, if, and it's just a, it's such a nicer place. And so as I've been here, it's like I just I see now looking at it from the outside and, and I've been there myself. Of just how you know, I felt like I was a little bit of a sheep in, in California. I was just following sort of the liberal blue agenda of this is wrong and that's wrong and we know and we're better than them and I'm going to pay attention to Middle America. And now I feel like I'm really living in the real world where you know we people are having struggle getting work and living minimum wage and you know there aren't any fancy you know Hollywood jobs here. It's all real work and real jobs and people just want to go get out and have a drink and talk about movies and have fun. And, you know, they have different views on politics, but they discuss it. Um, that kind of stuff is really inspiring to me in a weird way. And it's and, and not in a weird way, but in, in a great way. Um, and to have those conversations and meet conservatives that I can have a conversation with and see, you know, why, there is, why the country's at a certain point and how we all have different opinions. It sort of opened me up to new ideas and new things where it's like, I'm not going to shove my, whether I'm blue, red, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to shove my views as if they're better than yours because they may not be. It's what I believe in, but it's not what this person believes in. So I got to be more open and listen now to sort of figure out, well, how do we all work together and at least be kind and listen, you know? Yeah. Um, how did you get, um, like, when the whole incident happened, did your creative flow just drop or you still had that creative flow, but you wasn't able to do anything or, or it just, your passion just came back like later on? Uh, I mean, yeah, no, the creative flow, the creative flow did drop. Okay. Um, you know, it, there was definitely a rough, there was a rough patch there for sure. I mean, I, you know, it's not that I wasn't creative. There were things I thought about and, you know, I was started working on and I wrote a lot, mm-hmm. you know, but more personal stuff. But, you know, yeah, I mean, it wasn't that the creativity left. It just sort of the, it, it, the I would say the hardest part was losing a voice. Yeah. Like I, 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 it was hard for me to like go out. It's hard for me to like not, you know, and, and being in LA to sort of run into people who are just giving me judgy eyes. Mm. Um, it's okay. like that, that living in the shame of sort of an un- misunderstanding and that, that, that was really where it was the, the roughest part of just sort of like, you know, knowing, you know, again, cause I have to, I, don't, I can't say much about sort of what's going on, but I can, I've, I've said, and I can admit like I, I cheated on my wife and that's really the worst part of all of this mm-hmm. without a doubt. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like just knowing I did that and knowing, you know, people knew I did that to her and, you know, people at, you know, at, at, at my kid's school and all that stuff like that. Living in that is a hell I wouldn't wish on, the, on my worst enemy. Wow. You know, people don't, you know, it's, I'm not trying to say, I, I want to be careful what I say, but it's like, I watch a lot of people and the sort of the movements and everything. And, I, and yes, Bill Cosby is a monster. I do believe it. Harvey Weinstein <laughs> is a monster. I do believe there's enough evidence to me to think this, these guys have done some, some pretty bad things that should at least, we should be addressed. At the same time, like, weird enough, I don't want to kick those guys any further. Those guys are in terrible places right now in prisons of their own that, they, that I don't think people really understand. And it's like, I don't support them at all, but I'd rather say nothing to them. You know, yeah, yeah. Do it. But, you know, the problem is, like, you know, there's other people that I feel like, you know, whatever, in this, you know, the Chris Hardwick of the world and James Gunn's, and it's like, it's just getting very complicated right now in this in this environment. And it is, it, it's it's conversations that need to be had. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, it's less conversations these days, and it's more arguing and yelling and judgment, judgment, and you're an idiot, you're wrong, and you're you're gross, and go go to hell, and you should die. Like, mm-hmm. that's not helpful for anybody. Like, that's not, like, what we should be doing as humans. Like we need to be, we need to figure out. Well, why did they fall? What what did they do? What how do we help them? What can they change? Um, that that to me is really the 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 lesson that I'm trying to figure out. And you know that that living in that shame that I experience really does open your eyes. And I think there's a lot of hate to sort of like, you know, men of this move, men of the Me Too movement who've been accused shouldn't have that right, and they shouldn't have the path to redemption and all these things. I'm. I'm paying close attention and I'm listening to all of that, those conversations because it's a really tough conversation that needs to be had. But again, it, it's a conversation that needs to be had, not a argument, not a yelling and not a you should never work again. Like, yeah. that's not helpful. You know, it's not helpful to be a guy who's messed up and say, well, ah, screw you all, blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to make any accountability. That's not good either. But nor is the other side of saying you should never get a chance again. What you did was awful. You're a terrible human being. Like, no, those are both two extreme emotional reactions and there needs to be a middle mm-hmm. where we sort of come together and learn together and grow, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's complicated. Um, how about, like, when you when you um, arrived at Florida, did people know who you were? Or, like, did they know about you? Or... Uh, yeah, I mean, um, look, I mean, the, the other thing I've learned from all this was, like, I was not that famous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you quickly learned that, and I'm, I was, it was a lesson I was glad to hear. You know, I never had that big of a head. I mean, I had a little bit of a big head, sure, here and there, but, you know, usually it was at Comic-Cons that it was where I only got really noticed. But I would get noticed here and there at restaurants and things. But, you know, I think people, people stopped, people were sort of, didn't want to, to say they knew who I was. Yeah. And I had friends who told me that. Like, oh, I had a friend who saw you the other day and didn't want to say anything. So, like, I knew that was happening, and so that oh. was more of what I said, living in the shame in the eyes. Like, it's harder when you're a public person because, you know, you think they're all looking at you. and Or are they <laughs> looking at you? Did that person notice me? Oh, yeah. what do I do? I should just leave. That, you know, that's that's the hardest part for people, and I want to make sure, you know, not, in any sort of instance, like, I want to make sure I'm there for people who are, at, are stuck in that place. Like, find the light and find the way to, to heal and grow and learn so you can feel confident to stand up and go outside again because that's a really hard place to be in. And I think it's not even just about people who've been shamed or whatever. It's depression. It's a lot of issues we deal with. You know, it's loneliness. It's people who've lost loved ones. It's people who've been dumped. You know, we, we all have the, the, the live in that funk sometimes, and it's hard to, to get through it. And I think we all, like I said, all have a struggle of our own. Every human being has pain and a, a journey they're on. And we have to be more respectful of each other and, and help each other. It doesn't mean we have to be there and 
love the person and support them, but we shouldn't, you know, kicking them while they're down is not helpful as a, for our humanity, yeah. you know? Yeah. So yeah. people, yeah, to answer the question though, people, you know, people, yeah, people did notice me and people then, when they, when they did, I talked to them honestly and I talked to them about it and I, you know, they, we had real conversations and people got to know me before they judged me and that was amazing and that's been amazing for me to sort of hit the reset button and start over and build new friendships and a new life where I'm not being judged for the past and being judged for what I do now. I'm being judged for how I am to them and a friend and a human being and a person who's nice and powerful. Like that, those are, that's how I want to live my life. Um, moving forward is not keep dwelling on the past. You have to move forward or we just, you can't move sometimes at all, you know? Yeah. You know, um, um, it's amazing that, you know, you pretty much reinventing yourself because there's a lot of people, you know, that are quick to judge and, you know, think they're higher almighty and you know everybody's done their stuff you know and you know dude I, and, and to echo that it's like i still get tweets and, and look the tweets don't bother me i, I laugh I, I, they brush them off and i laugh but it's like i get these tweets where it's like you're showing no empathy you're a, you know, it's like you are like you're you are we're talking on a tweet you can't even see my eyes or you haven't even lived my life you don't know any belief of i have no empathy like what are you talking about it's just the, the ignorance and the bully mentality online is frightening yeah. it's just like it's just so scary and so yeah it, it i reinventing myself was important for me regardless of the success and regardless of the flack that some people give me i don't care about it it's about me being able to sort of stand up again and reclaim a voice and be able to go outside and be proud for my kid because i'm not a monster and and, and sometimes if you're if you're pounded hard enough and told you're a monster it's it, you can easily be susceptible to think well then i must be a monster and it's like well no you got go go talk to people and go seek help and make sure you're are you a monster what what's real what's not real let's talk about this what did you do what all that stuff's what i'm what i'm doing and i'm working on to make sure you know i don't do what i did to my wife to anyone ever again like that's just not okay that was not okay of me to do i i'm never gonna hide that that is a scarlet letter on me for the rest of my life that i have to own and i feel like anybody who's gone through these issues you have to address it you have to be honest you have to put it all out there and, and in a weird way you know that that dirty laundry that i'd been hiding from her mm-hmm. got put out in the world and as as rough as it was and as harmful as it was i wish i'd been the man enough to not do it or to tell her myself um you know we, we have to now you have to take it. You have to embrace it. And you have to grow and learn. Why did you do it? How do you make sure you don't do it again? Yeah. Um, you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but how is, how is she doing? If you could ask. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to talk about that. That's just, you know, uh, the, my, my son's doing great. I'm doing okay. Yeah. Everything's, you know, the sun is shining. Um, you know, the clouds in Florida are inspiring me every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, but you know, we're, we're, life is moving on as it needs to, and yeah. you know, I, I'm there to support my family as I need to, mm-hmm. and will always do, um, because I'm never going to be a deadbeat. Um, that's just not okay in my my language and my yeah. lifestyle. That's mm-hmm. not a, not a way to live. Um, my mm-hmm. son is my everything, um, and you know, I'm here. The, everything I do moving forward is is for him. You know, it's making sure I, he's proud of me. And he's okay, and he's you know he's living uh, a nice, strong, healthy life too. Yeah, and you know you were talking about Twitter. You know, like they fans got um, Rosemary Tran out of Twitter for bullying, cyberbullying. So like you know, a lot of people left Twitter because of getting bullied and stuff like that. You know, so you know it Twitter happens. Is a cesspool. Yeah, it happens to a lot of people. Like, yeah, yeah and, and, but you know what? It's like I try not to just attack back. It's hard sometimes when people are being super ignorant. And, I, and there's a few moments I've had where like some guy called me. 
you know, trying to trying to claim I'm a child molester, which is just that that if someone's going to do that, I'm going to fight them hard. Yeah. <laughs> that's just yeah. ridiculous. But my point is, I try to like do more. I try to like just be more positive to them. Like, are you okay? How are you doing? Like to the trolls, because it's like there's just so much hate, and it's like why? Why? To me, the people who are throwing that much hate to Kelly, you know, to that in that instance specifically, and there's so many online, like. It's just it, they're they're doing it because they have their own issues and demons they're not addressing. They're doing it out of their own loneliness and depression that they don't really know they need to address. Um, that's really what you learn as you've been there. It's like bullying someone. It doesn't matter what they've done. Bullying someone is bullying someone. Yeah. And you know you can either choose to be the bully who's going to kick someone while they're down, or you can choose to be the person who's going to help them get up and make sure they get to the hospital. You know, and it's like. That you're, you're either one type or you're the person who just stands and watches and doesn't want to get involved. Yeah. No, no disrespect for that, but I, you know, there's two other, you know, for, for the two extreme versions, I will now always choose to help that person up versus kick them while they're down, just because it's just not helpful, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to go back Twitter, to Twitter, Twitter is all about kicking you while you're down. Yeah, of course, of course. It, it, you know, it wouldn't be otherwise. <laughs> um, going back to Popcorn Planet, um, is there like for people who haven't seen it yet? Is there not not you know I'm not trying to compare, but um, it's not it, it's a it's a totally different realm from Honest Trailers and whatnot, right? It's a totally different format, totally different everything. Yeah, I mean, I'm just. There's no honest trailers or version of that. I mean, it just it's uh, you know, look, movie content is movie content. Yes. Everyone's, it's not you know, movie fights wasn't the most original concept. People had argued different <laughs> movie topics yeah. before, but movie fights, um, you know, so it, it's different in that it's you know, it's not the same people. It's me. It's this is my channel now with and my friends. You know, a, show, a, show, a spotlight for me and my friends is sort of, and, and and I say my my real friends now and are real people. Yeah. And it's like a weird term to use, but we're not, you know, we're not shills for the studio. We're not paid to be making this content. We're not, you know, out there, you know, as influencers. You know, I sort of am, I guess you could still argue that I am, but not really anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, you know, we're, these people are, are the real people out there. And at a certain point, maybe they become personalities and then they're not, I can't call them real people anymore. But <laughs> in the interim right now, it's about how do we just go do it? Like my dream for this channel is to be able to take some of the shows I'm doing and go to other cities and like show up to Atlanta or Boston or whatever and set up the camera and my mics in a bar and get real people at that bar to have a nerd war. Like that yeah. to me is an interesting, new, different format. Um, and not making it so it's like, you know, three fighters each prepared and whose argument's what. It's like, no, it's like, which, you know, someone can come on the show and only know one topic. And then they don't have to really engage. And they can chime in. I like our new show. People can tap in and talk together. It's not like only one person talks. Like It's it's more of a group team game that, we're, you know, people just are, are just passionately having a conversation. Um, and so I like that format. And that's what we're doing. And there's going to be some other stuff we're trying um, but uh, right now, it's just a, it's a place to come talk and watch. You know, me have my voice back, and other people, some new meet some new people um, who want to talk about movies and mm -hmm. shows, and not just movies, shows, games, just nerd topics. Like next week's um, nerd war is do zombies poop? <laughs> like, that's, to me, you know, something different. That's I would have never been able to do that on movie fights. Like we're yeah. not going to just do movies. We're going to do all sorts of stuff, and so. Um, that's the kind of stuff that I'm excited for. Oh, and, had, it, uh, and this this week's episode was, um, uh, you know, what's the, what would be the most which mythical creature would be the most delicious to eat? Um, <laughs> like that type of stuff is a nerdy topic that's not just based off movies, you know, and it's yeah. not just shows. 
So to be able to go and do real other questions and fun topics that we can break down and you know, scream about is, is fun to me. Oh, and it's on popcornplanet.com? Popcornplanet.com. Yes. Yeah, okay. Popcorn Planet was taken, so I had to add the ED to the popcorn. So it's like a planet that's been popcorned. <laughs> I liked it. Our, our logo was made by a friend of mine uh, who's so Brian did such amazing work on that logo. It's just like a cool, I, I had this idea that he made it look awesome, like an old. The, the, the vibe of my whole channel on that thing was like, it's a video store. Like, how do I make this seem like we're going to a video store to talk about movies? Because that's how I grew up on, is going to the video store and like figuring out what movie to watch and suggesting it to people and going and talking with friends. Like, that's the vibe I, I miss. And so I'm trying to bring a little bit of that retro, nostalgic, sort of just talking about talking about movies and the, the things you would talk about at a video store, which is, what did you watch last night? What comic book you're reading? And, oh, did you, did you hear about this? Or want to play D&D? All that stuff. Yeah, um, and Andy, um, my final question for you is: What would have the what would the Andy of today tell the Andy of yesterday? The Andy of today would probably tell the Andy of yesterday: Don't lose focus of what makes you happy. Find your happiness because that'll lead to the people around you being happier too. I think you got to find your own self worth and self love and self you know positivity. And, you know, make sure you're, you're living a life that's you're proud of and that you're making content you're proud of and not bored of, et cetera, to make sure that you're, you know, can deliver on all fronts as a husband or a father or a you know, creator, et cetera. Um, I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, um, everybody has redemption and, you know, there's always second chances coming around. So like, you know, congratulations on that. And, um, I wish you the best and I hope everything works out for you in the long run. Dude, and just thank you for reaching out early on. And like you have, and with message support, uh, you're a good person. I appreciate it. And, uh, happy to talk to you as always. And let's keep the conversations going, man. Yeah. Thank you so much, Andy. That was Andy Signore popcorned planet right um the, the social media it's popcornedplanet.com yeah and you can follow me on twitter at twitter.com slash andy signor signor anywhere else that's plenty i don't know <laughs> myself out anymore on the socials if you liked what i said you'll look me up if you didn't you won't yeah <laughs> that's it but, uh, here's what i suggest everyone do go outside and take a walk yeah oh my god <laughs> a walk uh, you just listen to a long podcast. That's enough. Maybe you were outside or you were working during this, then great. You did. <laughs> Take your eyes off the phone for like 15, 20 minutes and just go stare at the world because it's a beautiful place. Yeah. Well, if you're like me and you live in the Midwest, all you see is trees and green. So um, unless you're driving and you're away from that. But yeah, you're right about that. Take a walk, people. Take a walk. You know. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one, folks. Mm-hmm.